Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast, and our watch along of Dear Brother. This is part four of five parts. We watched episodes 24 to 31. And my name is Vry Kaiser. I'm the managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at Writer Vry, where I am uh, battling off horrible life things by getting really invested in Don May. Uh, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Well, I exist. Congratulations! <laughs> Congratulations! Woo. I am piling no. my emotions into sewing again. Yay! Nice. You guys have to do your. Uh, you have to do. I know it's been a minute, but you have to do your interest. Oh, I sure uh, did say I exist and not say hi. My name's Mercedes, and I exist. I am an editor here at Anime Feminist, as well as a light novel editor for Seven Seas, and an anime reviewer and critic, and, ooh, I can say I also work on adult gay. Hey. I, why did I almost just say my age and location? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm here, and I like this show. It's great. Chiaki, how about you? Yeah, so, this is Chiaki Hirai, um... Yeah, one of the editors for NFM. I am going through it. Um, going through a lot. I will say that some of the themes of this today's episode will be very prescient for me. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you can find me at uh, at Tiaki747 or at Animated Empress. I am somewhat on a hiatus from both as I recover from personal issues. <laughs> but maybe by the time this... That's- airs it's fine that's a theme of this recording honestly (laughs) how about you diana how's it going hi i am diana i am not from anafem but i am a cosplayer and wig stylist and i love dear brother as we all know i have been hanging in there a lot better than usual with a wonderful little temporary downturn while i watched part of these episodes (laughs) I am on Twitter at at SilenceDrowns, where the content is currently me losing my mind over sewing. Nice. Sounds like cosplay life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Good thing to lose your mind over. Is it too late for me to say I'm at Pixelated Lenses on Twitter? Because I didn't. Whoops. It's fine. Okay. Go go follow Mercedes. Don't don't perceive me, maybe. Who knows? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. You know what? Perceive me. Perceive me. I want to be. Absolutely be perceived. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So as has become traditional for these uh, watch along episodes, we begin with an update to our content warning list. Y'all may remember last time that we had some end of episode content warnings for this batch of episodes because they get kind of intense. But in case you skipped that and haven't watched the episodes yet or are listening to these without watching or whatever the reason uh this batch of episodes includes additional content warnings for self-harm um visual and auditory three separate attempted suicides uh and several instances of flashing lights and photosensitivity which diana you can be more specific about sure can um In episode 25, after Ray burst down the door, there is a lot of lightning. I was fine. I just thought it was worth warning a little bit about. But in episode 31, my notes for the episode says, Welcome to I Scramble City. (laughs) 
there's a scene where a bulb on the wall breaks and it is incredibly intense strobing to the point that some of the rest of the people who are not plagued with light sensitivity issues like I am even complained about this scene. It is luckily very brief and there is no talking over it. So what I would recommend if you get headaches or whatever from that is once the light bulb breaks, close your eyes so that you are mostly seeing your lashes and wait for the flashing to stop. I love that you are here to provide this very special help. One thing I will say that I noticed, I'm not sure if they were on the other discs in the Blu-ray set, but the the last disc of the Blu-ray does have a specific epilepsy, you know, flashing lights warning. So they do include that for that. Does it? I didn't notice. Uh, it was right at the beginning uh, when you boot up the disc, not before the actual episode, but it is there on the disc when you load it up. I got you. Okay. I must have missed it because I had it like in my sleeping PS4 where we were partly through the episodes at that point. I'll fully tell you, Retro Crush don't warn you. (laughs) Retro Crush don't tell you jack. (laughs) Like, and maybe Retro Crush should like pull pull a little little something in the caption. You got space. A lot of these companies can do a lot with uh, their pre-show warnings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, have a cute Nanako pop up and be like, hey y'all. (laughs) <laughs> you got light sensitivity this episode's gonna be rough unfortunately this show predates pokemon so they don't do that that is uh, that is oh, yeah. that really was the watershed wasn't it god damn you pikachu <laughs> it was porygon was it was pikachu cool. attacking porygon is innocent i will die on this hill speaking of people who aren't innocent every single girl in this cast uh, okay yeah. I feel so we spent the last three episodes talking around it, so now we gotta talk about Fukiko. Because now I guess we know what her damage is now. Christ on a crispy cracker. <laughs> oh my god. When it was revealed, I was like, sis. Now look, I have had my heart broken. And I think like many a queer person, I'd like someone incredibly straight. I've never decided i'm gonna ruin everybody's lives because of love yeah those backstory episodes were a trip for me because i feel like the character type that fukiko is i think supposed to come across as is a character type that i like really well uh you know these these um people who in hold themselves to this kind of ingrained taught sense of societal dignity and end up in trying to chase that and gain that approval destroying themselves from the inside out you know like i like francisca von Kalma, i like lieutenant oscar i like jingguan yao but this ends up on crumbling foundations because she knew him for a week i would have been on board for this if it had been an entire summer even because that's a fairly standard trope of like you know intense young summer love it was a week. It was a week and then he didn't come to her recital. I'm sorry, I can't emotionally invest in this for the amount of damage she does. I don't know. I was just gonna say, I don't know if I would have been on board because, like, Sis was 12. I don't know what y'all were doing at 12. But exactly. for me at 12, here, here's what I was interested in at 12. Shishomaru, my husband. Johnny Bravo, <laughs> my American husband. That was pretty much it. 
like oh and probably like pokemon like you know i'm still interested in that but like she was 12 did no one say to this 12 year old like sweetie you know we all have crashes it's all right this isn't the end instead he doesn't show up and fukiko chooses violence (laughs) over and over again i feel like this entire series is also just an episode in why you should get your kids therapy sometimes Like, just, you have emotions. Please learn to cope with them more healthily than whatever the hell that is, Fukiko. And I get that, you know, you can be 12 and you maybe you do have a crush on somebody. But the dude's in college. Yeah. He's like, you know, when when you're 12 years old and you see a college student, you know what you see? A person that's like the same age as your parents at that point. Like I, Hemi done, no. done t- Hemi's done taxes. Fukiko don't know nothing about taxes. <laughs> I will actually, I, I will actually defend Fukiko's honor here a little. In that, when I was twelve, um, before you know, coming to accept that I really am not into cis men in any way, I found myself crushing a lot on much older guys because I had a much old, I had much older brothers the same way that. Fukiko does. And so they're like this safe and unattainable figure that makes you feel safe. And you look at that feeling and you label it as, ah, this is what that thing called being in love that I've heard so much about is called. So like, I I can understand sort of how it goes along with her character in terms of the amount of importance she places on, you know, these abstract ideals of nobility and refinement and grand love or whatever it's just that the details of the story are some bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's so and and i'm just mad because they put it's so late in the anime that at that point you've put so much on what is this girl's deal it has to be something big because we foreshadowed it so heavily it did feel there was a point where i was watching and i was like are you kidding me (laughs) Like, I think I had to pause because I was like, are you serious that this is what it is? Like, Fukiko, <laughs> child, <laughs> please. I was really and truly expecting some strawberry wine shit. If anybody else cares about old country songs. <laughs> oh my god. And I just like, you gotta commend Fukiko though for fully leaning into this as this is what's gonna define her entire life. Like, she's committed to the bit. And Fukiko's <laughs> not letting go of this. Like, I, I I also, I mean, who knows by the end of this she might be letting go of life. It's anyone's game now. <laughs> this is like Survivor <laughs> but set in a high school. Like, I'm not, not implying that people die on Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know you know who did i don't <laughs> who knows how this is gonna go at least she committed to it but it is kind of wild that this this is it fukiko yeah. you got a little mad and a little sad but those flashbacks with ray my god oh ray is baby protect her jesus christ i Oh, wow. Woo, the treatment of Ray, which <laughs> I do love Baby Ray a lot, y'all. I love that Baby Ray looks like discount Hal Jenkins from Hal's Moving Castle. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. 
Oh, Baby Ray is so good. I did end up wondering, and the anime doesn't really bother to elucidate, and I don't know if the manga doesn't either, or if it just got left out. Did Ray, did you know you were related, or did you find that out later and then decide, fuck it, I'm committed now? I'm gonna say, like, for the drama, found it out later and was like, well, I'm in too deep now. Though, wouldn't it that be- That sounds like a Ray thing. Like, wouldn't it be so sad if Ray, like, never- It was just like, oh, I've known from the beginning. I'm just gonna keep going at it. Like, oh, Ray, that's so sad so sad it's also incestuous but it's a little sad too to have all those feelings and like your sister treats you so bad ray <laughs> like forget and forget any implications your sister sucks <laughs> underneath it all you can just see so deeply how much ray just wants someone anyone to really appreciate her and she set herself at this unattainable target and unfortunate and it's blinding her in the future to people who actually freaking care yeah mm-hmm Dang, it sure is going to be sad that Ray probably never going to get <laughs> Never probably. Who knows? Who knows? We have a whole arc and I'm so scared. <laughs> it is interesting how Ray's uh, extremely poorly bad um, devotion to Fukiko ends up sort of kind of dovetailing into the larger thing going on with men in the series where like, is Henby even a real person at this point? Or is he just the platonic ideal of safe man crush? I'm going with the second. I've always thought that I, when I was watching some of these with another scene, I was just like, okay, I can kind of see this because look, this is just a safe guy. This is any man. This is a man who you can trust pretty much to not be a horrible predator. Good job. What if an adult man wasn't shitty? What a concept. In a, in a Jojo anime? Right? Yeah, I don't I don't trust him still. Like the the amount of non-character he is just makes me wary. He feels like a collection of TV tropes greatest hits stuffed into a human being like a sad sausage. Like I just don't mm. I'm just like, "Oh, he's safe, I guess." But what what character? I, where's the spice in me? Oh, is it going to come in the final arc? I don't know. You say that, but I sat through glass masks, so you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh the, dear. <laughs> the love, in, the, the love interest in that is very much not a safe and respectable guy acting appropriate towards teenage girls. You know what? I'll take Henry then, because like he's pretty okay. He's like vanilla pudding of a man. Put a pop, pop like a yeah. pop like a Nilla wafer on him. I give him that. It's just he's such a void. It really does start to feel intentional at a certain point. Like he is this faceless figure in Fukiko's life and Nanako's life, and I'm guessing uh, Karu's at this point. It's been heavily, pretty heavily implied. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we see him sitting and typing at that disc. He's never going to finish. But he doesn't really seem to have much personality or goals of his own. He he exists to be this sort of fantasy figure in, in these young women's life, which I think is kind of interesting, honestly. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think it's actually interesting to see a man kind of put in that position, right? Because, like, they're having these really vivid lives. Hidmi is kind of the equivalent of in, like, a high school production, whoever makes the tree. 
for the background. <laughs> That's Henry. He's a real good tree. Like, he's a deciduous, probably. We stand. <laughs> you know, you need that tree in that play. Yeah. It's not it, the same without him. Yeah. If that tree's gone, there's a void. And, like, he is filling this really interesting position as these young women go about, like, popping off, catching these teenage hands constantly. I feel so... <laughs> I feel so bad for tiny teenage lesbian Nanako, who just keeps trying to insist that, no, no, he's really just my pen pal. I have a crush on your sister. You could be solving two problems at once. When when Fukiko, first of all, that scene of putting the lipstick on was a lot. But when she like, when, when she like pushes her down and is like, kisses her i was like oh gee oh god oh christ oh no <laughs> like oh, i was i was doing some research and apparently that is the episode that got this series canceled off the air in two countries nice <laughs> nice Which, no tell me more yeah um apparently both i think it was france and italy started airing this but then episode 25 happened and both countries were just like nope that's too much. Well, we, sock we, ray blue. We are drawing the line here. That's a lot, France. Really, that France? That was what made that that point. Really, I mean, I would I would expect you know France getting more angry uh, at how bastardized their culture was has been you know throughout the series, but I guess that was it. I was personally honored to finally get to see you know a historic piece of uh, anime history um, that is the censored kiss, um, which later on was copped by, you know, hit show X arm. Um, Oh my God. Dear brother, absolutely walk. So X arm could fly. (laughs) I understand that people attribute X arm fly. Don't you mean like, Sinking into the toilet. <laughs> I meant flow. I meant flu. <laughs> flow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I know that you know they say Ikuhara took a lot for Utena from the show, but honestly, I think the real cultural impact was X Arm. Gosh, I I you know what? It's really all about the dear brother to X Arm pipeline. It's really y'all are really onto something. We are. Yeah. Okay. I do need to know more about this sensor bar, though. What is happening? Because that the the, mo- the scene with Ray, like two minutes later, is not censored. What happened? Were the masters damaged? <laughs> the sensor bar was so funny, right? Because it happens with Fukiko, and it's like it's like they're about to poke evolve. Like the light is so <laughs> bright that you're just like, what? And then it fades. But you're right with Ray, like. Ray just gets to full on. I guess it's because Ray was delirious. And like, it's different when you're having like a. Well, but they were both it, having psychological reactions. Never mind. It might also be that Fukiko is femme. Oh, and like, yeah. Ray, yeah. Is, Ray is butch. Yeah. Ray, Ray's kind of androgynous, too, right? Yeah. So like, it's safe. But Fukiko, like, oh no, you can tell she's a cis woman. <laughs> Absolutely, a lesbian can't do that. That was so wild to me. I had to sit down and think after watching that scene. It was a lot. It was a lot. That scene is so horny. Like, oh my it, god. The, I'm telling you, the lipstick from the moment that that rouge went on, I was like, oh. Oh my. Oh goodness. 
It was like I was watching single single white female again. Derogatory. <laughs> that every every mention of that movie is derogatory. It it really heightens the kind of and I I what I will say is it's interesting because the really sapphic elements of this feel very true to how it feels to be a high schooler who's queer. Like even though I'm I don't know how intentional it is like that everyone is just incredibly chaotically sapphic at the school except for tomoko the one heterosexual friend i'll say i'll say tomoko's kind of like she she strikes me as bilian and she was kind of like oh it's so nice to be up close to was it uh was it kaoru she was kind of like up close or was it no no it was ray no, no, ray ray yeah I... like she tomoko was kind of like oh okay <laughs> so like <laughs> our bi queen but like kind of all has this like really frenetic energy that I think happens when you are sapphic in high school um that like I kind of actually like um I think you know I'm gonna actually change that I think it's rather than sapphic I'm gonna say like it's queer it's a very queer energy because Mm -hmm. I I have to imagine that this happens for people across the spectrum of like this really kind of heightened drama to everything i mean of course you know i will say as a queer person i was not carrying around a box cutter uh, like (laughs) half the cast is in high school but (laughs) i did have very intense feelings yeah i keep going back and forth because i think this stretch of episodes really highlights how dear brother is kind of constrained by when it was made and the other stuff that was being made at the same time where you can have expressions of sapphic desire queer desire but it comes back to all right but deep down they really have these real driving desires for this man or you know and i think dear brother is playing around with that with it being this very vacuous idealized idea of a man and becoming heteronormative when you leave school but there there is still that element of all right y'all y'all are having fun but eventually the class s period is going to end right because yeah. especially with that home ec teacher she is pushing she you need to know how to sew a button for your husband Kaoru. you know what though Kaoru's never going to give that up and i am just proud i am happy and I, I encourage her fully. Kaoru having the embroidery hoop and fabric in her mouth <laughs> when they were supposed to be embroidering flowers was so funny to me. Like, oh, it's so good. I'm the one on this who actually does do embroidery for a hobby. So when I tell you I was howling, please take it from that point of view. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. It's good. It's good. There- Oh my god, what, the the subplot with Mariko and her dad was definitely a, ah, this is written in the 70s, alright, kind of moment. On the one hand, there's some good stuff in there, like about, you know, t- teenagers, You it's, it's good to care about yourself and to value yourself, and that's nice. And there's some stuff going on here with, you know, men becoming, going from faceless, scary figures to having faces when he is not a shit for a single solitary moment. But also, I really hate that whole how can you expect other people to love you if you don't love yourself? Never tell that to a depressed person. Can't don't do that. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watching that and I was just like, okay, but at this exact moment, maybe Mariko can have little A. Arson as a treat. <laughs> I, when Mariko brought those three long tapered candles to the curtain, I was like, please, let her light it up. Let, yes. let her light it up. Let her. <laughs> like, I just, 
I just didn't want her to burn the house down while there were like well while Nanako and Tomoko were, were there with her. <laughs> that was my that yeah, was my yeah. only like real complaint there. I was like, no, just let them leave first. Yeah. Tomoko to burn them with them. Tomoko sure did come in clutch with the indoor slippers. <laughs> like just was tapping mm-hmm. all that fire out. Because she's the best. She wasn't gonna let it get too buck wild. Also, Marco's dad isn't not shit now, damn it. Because <laughs> he showed up one time. I, I was going to say that I don't know if that gets him out the like penalty box. He showed up once. He showed once. up once. And like, I don't know. I still don't like him because his his whole spiel was, yeah, go ahead and burn down the house. But, you know, like, no, no, don't, don't excuse your daughter when she tries to commit arson. I understand that Mariko deserves a little arson as a treat, but as a father, no, you don't, you don't say that. Yeah. You don't (laughs) let your kids burn it down as much as, as the audience, we can be a little bit cheering for her to burn baby burn. (laughs) Also like go ahead and burn down the house that I don't live in anymore. It's just your mother's now. (laughs) He literally did say like, I don't care. I ain't got to pay child support. Burn it down. Like, Sir, that's not nice. Also, while we're at it, I don't care that he was that that he he came in clutch as a support for this episode. I still don't trust Takashi. Fuck that guy. I kind of he gave yeah. Mariko a hot dog though. A hot dog with soup. <laughs> Who the fuck does that? Okay, Who the look. Fuck eats, who the fuck eats soup and hot dogs at the same time? I mean, it could maybe a monster. Oh. That, that does not sound appetizing at I, all. I mean, maybe it was like some corn chowder and it was cold and like... With a hot dog? Okay, you know what? The moment I did say that, I immediately was like, oh, Chiaki, call me out on this one. <laughs> yeah. It could be chicken noodle, it could be broccoli cheddar, it can be anything, but with a hot dog? Yeah, okay. I love I love hot dog soup, my favorite recipe that doesn't exist and tastes nasty. <laughs> he he does he, he's coming he's kind of coming around. He might be the one like <laughs> decent. The hot dog soup, okay. That does lose him some points. He is at least treating her like a child as he's helping her out here, so he he loses <laughs> Sus points from last time. He saved her from, you know, leaving the plot. Like, yeah. Mm. I mean, Mari, I, which, okay, I do have to say the way that the scene is set up and calls back to the box cutter is really, it, it, I mean, like, it's a very difficult scene because, like, the obvious, but, like, it's really well done because, like, she's kind of looking and then you hear the click of the box cutter and then, like, Mariko does what she does and gets pulled back and like that scream oh I was like oh my heart this poor child and I mean you know oh yeah I would be you know what I probably wouldn't feel great if I did get hot dog and soup after all that though I probably wouldn't okay maybe he's not that great of a dude (laughs) he's trying just the hot dog is fine the soup really does just the soup fine well I'll give him credit I thought it was a weirdly drawn soda (laughs) I could see that. I could see it as a weirdly drawn okay. soda. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, even if it was a warm coffee, it's it's cold out. It's a warm coffee and a hot dog. Okay, soup. 
So, All right, sorry, I, I'm just obsessing over this, yeah. but no, he seems it's like fine. We'll never solve the mystery of the soup. He seems like the only decent. You know what? No, there actually is one good man in this show, and it's the English teacher. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> no, he's just worthless. To... He provides some of the some of my favorite lines. That's true. Like he provides some of the best lines. I hope that actor came in and did all of his lines in one recording session and just they sprinkled them throughout because it does make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the good man. He's the only good man. Probably Takashi is genuinely meant to be an okay dude. And I'm just mapping Utna backwards, but I still don't trust him. Fair. And you know what? We do have quite a few more episodes to go. It is anyone's game at this point. Like, Hinmi could turn out to be horrible. And, I mean, you know, going back to Takeshi, like, I mean, he he was kind of gaslighting uh, Fukiko back a few episodes. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you know that, uh, you know that Nanako girl was hanging out with with Hinmi, my friend. He, they, like, they know each other, huh? <laughs> I forgot so, that. like, I feel like there's moments where mm-hmm. is he doing things on purpose? Does he know what's going on? Or does he even care? Mm-hmm. Is he just like at, at mm-hmm. worst, he's trying to be manipulative or bad, which I don't think like is necessarily the case, but he's also incredibly dense to everything that's going on around him. Understandably, they're dense about things that are surrounding a bunch of high school girls that are like 10 years under his age. Not enough hot dogs or soup in the world to save you from that, Takashi. (laughs) It's definitely going to come down to, like, are we meant to take him as malicious or is he meant to be a foil to Rey at the end of these episodes where she (laughs) has decided to team up on the petition because it's going to, she thinks it'll be better for Fukuko in the long run. It definitely feels like we're heading into endgame with the abolish the sorority stuff. Oh, yeah, like... Mm. I was it's... cheering for that. It got intense too, didn't it? <laughs> like, ooh. Ooh. Nanako's like, I never thought I could do this. And I'm like, yeah, but you can be a class trader. It's fun and easy. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, this was so... Because, you know, the manga was written in 75, like I keep bringing up, and... This was so fascinating to me in terms of its relation, the manga's relationship to the um, Japanese student protests in 68 and 69, which I need to read up more on because I really only know the basic basics. But I, it was, you know, a lot of movements, uh, leftist movements and some right wing fuckers um, coalesced in, in these couple of years, you know, protesting all manner of things from uh, against you know, U.S. occupation in Okinawa to uh, anti-Vietnam war protests to, you know, just general communists and Marxist leaning folks or to more individualist leaning um, protesters. And it's a really interesting time period. And there feels like there's echoes of it in this microcosm with the sorority subplot and the classism elements there. Right. Well, and and I mean, like, I I think, you know, considering because how soon, how early in the 70s, was Dear Brother written or like released? It, it ran all of it. All three volumes ran over the course of seventy five, from like March to September or something. Yeah, that is interesting, and I hadn't really thought about that kind of connection to the like to the university protests and all of that that was kind of happening 
I'll definitely say it's something that's come after the movements, and the movements were a major impact on Japanese society. So it need not be necessarily, you know, immediately after the protests, but, you know, within within a 20-year range of them, definitely a lot of people went through it and knew what, what happened throughout. Yeah, like, I, I have to assume it was very much in the air and impacting culture for years and years after. Look at how many works for how many years saw the effects of Vietnam in the U.S. Right. Well, and, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I it would it would definitely make sense in terms of universities because like, a, you know, to draw a parallel, American universities are still constructed in very specific ways with um, office buildings, you know, all of the official buildings on campus being places where it is very specifically structured that students cannot gather and protest effectively. Um, you know, so like, yeah, it would absolutely make sense that like people creating would still kind of be haunted by those very recent events at that time. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fact that it ends up being a power struggle of sort of structural collectivist versus like a individually chosen collectivist, I guess, is where I'm not entirely sure what I'm saying about, but you know, sort of the ossified struck, uh, system versus these kind of individually chosen groups that that have uh formed with the the petition seekers mm. something there i one of the things that really caught me during like the initial scene where kaoru decides to uh seize the means of control <laughs> from fukiko is like one of the students in the crowd shouts like yeah i don't want these i don't want these few people like controlling everything that happens at this school and what came to me was i was like is this the first time anyone's ever at seiron decided to like because how long has the sorority been around and nobody has ever like is this a first (laughs) and clearly it is the first time that like anyone's kind of really spoken up um buck wild because i 90 years (laughs) i too would be like you know what maybe like 30 of my classmates shouldn't be in charge of me. I feel like maybe people had been unhappy with it to themselves, but they would never have dared to say it in front of the, uh, of the sorority members. Mm. Well, and I mean, it's also possible there were small scale protests because, you know, they note that uh, the first couple people who quit the sorority, Fukiko mentions, they're not only expelled, there will be no record of them having ever joined. So, Oh, uh, yeah. Fully expunged. Going off of, you know, Japanese culture as well, you, you just don't make waves, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it took considerable courage and a break of norms for Kaoru to just sit you know, stand up during the middle of a, you know, school assembly where everyone is present and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be in charge. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's especially notable once we come to this arc, those chrysanthemums you have on, on Fukiko's school uniform, you know, the the symbol of the Japanese empire and the emperor. Loaded symbolism. Yeah. Sis just, yep. she's having a big old bad time. And it's, it's very interesting, this whole arc, that, like, you start seeing parallels of things that a lot of us can relate to, such as that the way that a lot of people react to maybe we should distribute power more evenly in absolute horror because they're interpreting that not as maybe 
I shouldn't be having unfair advantages, but as taking away my unfair advantages is unfair to me. Right. It's it's the old capitalist myth of you have to continue propping up the system because uh, what's that Futurama joke? Yeah, but maybe someday I'll be one of them and then people like me better watch out. Yep. I did have an interesting discussion with my partner while we were watching that in isolation, you know, outside of these sort of grander allegorical things, it does sort of unintentionally end up doing this thing where because we don't we hear about the real world power that the sorority wields, right? And, you know, Kaoru mentions that it's about making these women desirable, sort of implying that it's about, you know, putting them, making them marketable as marriage material and as wives mm. rather than as individuals. But at the same time, because we don't necessarily see all of this outside the school or the school board and those more insidious power structures, it ends up being sort of uh, these very masculine characters dismantling this sort of one very the, the one sphere of power that the 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 most femme coded characters have which i which i think is incidental and unintentional but it's kind of interesting you know mm, i like that yeah that's interesting which is kind of when i became i still don't know that i sympathize with fukiko because i've already laid that out but I, it's when i started sort of finding her abstractly interesting in terms of how you know intellectually how she gets backed into the into a corner because she is she can be incredibly cruel but she is also trying to wield these tools of power that are meant to be given to her as a traditional woman that are at odds with the sort of you know the the sort of new the new feminism, the the new modernism. Yeah, I because I I would definitely say like I don't feel bad for Fukiko, but what I do feel is this kind of sadness because she is someone who is very aware of what it is to be a woman and to be a young woman and to also be beautiful and expected to uphold a certain standard. In a way, it has it has kind of like trapped her in a cycle of just like doing harm to others and like brutalizing the people around her but also brutalizing herself and I just kind of I kind of feel pity for Fukiko because like I don't know that's such a zero-sum game I'm with you on that one I do not like her as a person but I do feel really terrible about some of the position or some of the situations that have pushed her into this position where she feels like she has to be horrible to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to wonder what a Fukiko who like maybe had had a little bit more um, flexibility in her social role. You almost wonder kind of like, what would that young woman be like? I like to think she wouldn't be as cruel. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, also there, there are some cases where people make a choice. I don't know how, I mean, there is a part of me that's like, I don't know how much I want to hold her accountable because she is a product of society and she's a kid ultimately. But I'm also like, oh, Fukiko, you are, you, you, you are almost, you're definitely like 18 or, or close to it. And you're, you're making some bad choices, Fukiko. I think we do know right from wrong. 
Yeah, she she does hold the most. What holds me back is that she holds the most power relative to literally every other female character in the cast. Also, she has attempted a drowning, and she definitely harmed her sister. So, like, Fukiko, oh. you made some really bad decisions, sis. But I do feel pity for you. The like, scene mm-hmm. in the snow is almost unforgivable. It's pretty rough. Like, mm-hmm. I can intellectualize to an extent. Either, A, she didn't think she'd actually do it because, ah, oh, this will just prove that everybody abandons me. Or, you know, B, she planned, to, she, she thought she wanted to die because she's 13 or whatever and then chickened out. But also, it's pretty unforgivable. I was going to say, because, yeah. like, she definitely, did I interpret it wrong or did Fukiko do it for Ray? Did she use that straight razor? Mm-hmm. And then was she like, oh no, my sister, we gotta get her to a hospital and then later gaslight her about it? I think that's a very plausible interpretation. Okay, because like, that's how I read it. It was like, Fukiko did it. And especially in light of like, <laughs> Fukiko just, I mean, Fukiko straight up does place a lot of trust in Ray and is about to leap. And like, Ray pulls her back and that I was that I really, honestly, y'all, I did think Fukiko was about to leave in this arc, and I'm really not sure about the next one. But, like, I did interpret it as, like, Fukiko actually did the harm. Her sister was just face down in the snow, and Fukiko was like, oh, I can't do this. Called for help, and then later on, as they're older, is like, well, Ray doesn't really remember. You did this to yourself, Ray. Which was just buck wild. And if that's not right, that's just my interpretation. But like, it did make me think, oh, she's gone past the kind of point of no return, at least for right now. I mean, her actions, you know, result directly in essentially ruining Ray's life. Yeah. Like, not even beyond the trauma of what happened in the snow. Like, after that incident, Ray is like, the family's like, hmm. Maybe we shouldn't have Ray in the family here with us. We're yeah. going to put Ray in her own little apartment to live alone after surviving that, which is like, why would you do that? First of all, mm-hmm. but like her, her actions have set in motion the entire process of isolating Ray and just yeah. fucking her up. It's yeah. not, it's not good. It's not kind. It's yeah. It's rough. Cause like, you know, I can think the fact, okay, this is just for me, the theater nerd, but the fact that Fukiko's backstory includes an extended homage to the glass menagerie did murder me in my sleep. Was that when Fukiko was talking about her glass ornaments and she was like, a maid broke one, so I shattered them all? Was that the. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was so much. And- like, I think that's very interesting, that kind of character motivation to be like, I, in order to avoid the pain of unexpected loss and the terror of fragility, I'll just destroy everything myself. I find that very compelling in a character. Mm-hmm. But then, like you say, she she has effectively killed Ray by setting this all uh, all in motion and using her relative privilege to the other female characters in the series to disadvantage and hurt them. And, and it would be different with Ray if... Fukiko actually showed who I think she has the potential to be as a character, right? But like instead with Rei, Fukiko just constantly doubles down. Like Fukiko would not let someone bring soup to Rei because she was like, no, my sister must suffer. Mm -hmm. She doesn't get any Campbell's. 
it feels very <laughs> just like if every if people start actually believing that what I did is not right, then I'm going to have to actually take responsibility. And I do not think I can do that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I feel like the version of Fukiko who is able to come back from where she's at is Misaki, who I really liked in these episodes. It's like, "Mm, yes, this is my daughter, Nanami. Yep. Here she is. See, I was like, I don't, I I didn't feel like she deserved. Oh, she got off easy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a sucker, maybe. Should she have been box cuttered? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think violence is good in school, maybe. Um, I did like the scene where the scene where it closes up on her face is really good. Like there, there's some really kind of borderline, almost grotesque emotion, which Mm -hmm. I would have too if um, my fellow classmate got me with a box cutter um i feel like she kind of got off easy and and maybe 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 to some degree i think you're kind of maybe supposed to be left with this feeling of like a little dissatisfaction because i think sometimes that's how things actually resolve in real life but i was like did she decide to be box cuttered no but like maybe she should have had to do like a little more like apologizing or something i just i don't i was I really liked the scenes of 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 her and and Mariko as foils, and her, I'm a sad sack, and so she she walked into the ocean. And yeah, she left I was. Her dog. I was just about to say, you know what? Actually, the punishment maybe was like she walked into the ocean, which is not good punishment. She probably needed some help, and like, but she came back, and that's that's okay. So you know yeah, what? I, maybe 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 she suffered enough, actually. Yeah, I guess my takeaway from it was not that everything is fixed and she's best buddies with everyone now, but, like, we've acknowledged that she knows that she was an asshole and that she went too far, and also that probably she shouldn't try to kill herself, and we we, we have realized that she is a having shitty teen emotional pain, too. Yeah. And I guess and that's beautiful. There is something that I found kind of really powerful about this, about how you realize near the end of that arc that she and Mariko have been after each other so long because they just can't, one of them has to be on top and they realize actually we have a lot more in common than we have to fight about. And you can see just like this kind of shift, this uneven shift of, oh God, we have both made some mistakes. Hmm. Yeah. Hear me out. What if they kissed? Oh Yeah. That turned me into the gay Kool-Aid man just now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Rivals, too. Lovers. Yes. Friends to lovers. Love it. Enemies to friends to lovers. Mm. It's the spice of life. I'm pretty sure I have read that fanfic somewhere. I think I, <laughs> I, I classified so. it I classified it as uh, from rivals to enemies to rivals to lovers. Oh. That seems right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like... It is nice that they do actually have this resolution because Mariko, like, it's 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 hard to think back to Mariko at the beginning and, like, how mean she was to Tomoko. <laughs> but, like, she was also very much so like this at the beginning. She also, like, did she use a box cutter back then? This child's been really into the box cutter. Point aside. <laughs> she did I feel like not. the box cutter was a recent development. Okay, 
because what did she, I know she threatened she threatened Nanako like I think oh she was just like oh I'm a, I'm gonna do myself in um, she bit her is is what happened in those yeah. early episodes yeah the, the queerest of attacks to do uh-huh. in a moment <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like it it is nice that actually Mariko is kind of the pathway to Aya getting redemption because like. I, I do think there is something to be said about like these girls are undergoing a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do want them to all have a path to redemption. And even Fukiko. Um, and definitely the girls that tried to push Nanako off of a rusty rooftop. No, that was- oh my god. Who like, and then Nanako I, I just, they've existed for all this time. Yeah. But like, they were just like background characters that no, suddenly no. come out. One was Lady Mona Lisa. I know. Like, she's basically a background character. And then suddenly she's like, but well, what if we took over? I mean, it's those quiet ones you gotta watch out for. You named one of them Borgia. What did you think was happening? <laughs> <laughs> just And then Nanako just instantly forgiving... Like, okay, yes, they tried to kill me, but I can see where they were coming from. Baby girl, no. Maybe this one time you should allow yourself to be angry at someone who hurt you because they just literally tried to kill you. She, yeah. She, she is too nice for her own good. Sweet baby. No. Like, I'm not a fan of calling the police, but that was one of those mo- moments where I'm like, maybe you should call the police. Maybe you should, like, get a restraining order because... It feels like this is necessary at this point. I've been enjoying Nanako's protagonist so much because I feel like she is naive at times when the plot needs her to be, but she's also been increasingly assertive this run of episodes Mm. and just like sweet. And she's so good. She's a really well-written character. I really quite enjoy her. I love her. She is so... She's so sweet and kind, and that's actually a good thing in this series and not something to be broken down. I really want her to live to the end, but I, y'all, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't know about anybody at this live. point. Monica's gonna live. Come on. Everyone else. protagonist. I d- that means nothing. <laughs> protagonist armor does not exist in this show. I'm almost 100. She's She might live, but her heart's gonna be inexplicably broken. Oh, well, I mean, since her first love is going to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cow, like, Ray, I almost said Cow, God, I hope Cow doesn't die. Ray might as well have been waving a white flag at various points. Like, just. I love her so much. She's not okay. She's not okay at all. <laughs> Maybe, like, can we, can we make some predictions? Because, like, I do have one for Ray, for sure. Yes, do it, because the show ends next time, so it's our I, last chance to throw weird shit at the I world. think that Ray is going to die in Nanako's arms, and it's going to be, like, a very <gasps> poetic Damn. scene, and there's going to be, like, lilies in the... No, it's too early for lilies. There's going to be roses. There's going to be roses. I don't know. There's been a lot of lilies in this that's, show. That's true, but, like, I want a sweet flower. There's going to be, like, pink roses, and, like, Nanako's going to be like, Ray... Don't go and Ray's going to be like, Nanako, you have to continue on. I believe in you. And it's just going to be so good. It's going to be so good. And like the music is, it's, well, maybe it'll be like a lay motif of like the opening, but really sad. 
Like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, because Ray, Ray ain't making it, y'all. Ray, I don't, I don't know how. Ray's not making it out of the series. The heck, maybe, maybe Kauru isn't making it out either. I don't know. She, all, all of the handsome. Anime disease. I, I mean, like, that time that Kauru coughed up blood, that was a red flag. Mm. Oh, literally. <laughs> yeah. Ray goes to people's houses and then just randomly falls over and is like, don't worry, that happens sometimes. Okay, but like, <laughs> I have really, really low blood pressure, just like as a baseline, and every time I stand up, I fall over, and I'm just Ray's just like, don't worry about me, this happens sometimes, falling on the ground, and I'm like okay, but I have done that about three times this week this is a mood <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, as somebody who is uh, chronically sick sometimes, with not debilitating, but still you know, inconvenient body weakness issues, yeah like, oh, sometimes that happens, you just vibe Fair enough. That is true. Anyway, um, my prediction here is uh, Sorority House is going to burn down, and yes. there's going to be at least two people inside. That's <gasps> oh, that is shit. mine. That is mine. Like I am betting Fukiko and like I don't know, Kaoru's no, probably Ray um, are just going to fucking burn. It's going to be poetic. That is my prediction. I mean, talk about this girl is on fire. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but with tears <laughs> alright my upsetting prediction is that now that Mariko's shit dad is out of the picture uh, she we know that she might not be able to go to school anymore so she's going to be pressured to uh, marry into a rich family which will end up being Takeshi and she's going to hate it and and I want and, and yeah because the 70s upsetting that is upsetting yeah. yeah, you did preface that with upsetting, and you followed through. I aim to please. Aim That's to displease. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait to see the ending of this. It's going to be so good. Oh, one yes. thing I just wanted to mention that just came across my mind. Um, mm. Can I just mention that um, it is it is weird that. You know, Mariko gets you know gets suspended for stabbing somebody at school. Yet, you know, with a box cutter, like you can have a box cutter because you might need it for school stuff, right? Maybe. Um, but Ray shows up to school with you know fucking knives in her like pocket and throws it at uh, Misaki's friends to keep them from burning the petitions, but nobody like called her out on that like she's fucking armed and threw them at us at other students and Ray didn't make someone bleed <laughs> i think it is everybody allowing ray to just be aesthetically perfect and <laughs> <laughs> yeah ray does look like the person who would carry daggers huh yeah like yeah, ray, they, gets they can't... A, ray gets an i can do what i want license because look at me i am the coolest thing to ever cool and i'm just like yeah you know what let Ray have daggers. It's fine. Yeah, you do have you do have a good point though, Chiaki, because both are against school rules, probably. Right. I mean, like <laughs> probably having somebody with a box cutter illegal, bringing weapons to a school it's, probably it's, illegal. It's kind of like how when you go through TSA, they're like four ounces of liquid. Uh. Uh-uh. Signature baseball bat and or knife with blade less than three inches. Come on in. Like, it's like a Metal messed up price needles. is right. 
I was on a flight once with my family where my mother got a pair of dull manicure scissors that could barely cut anything confiscated. And they let me take 12 inch long metal knitting needles. Can't use those for stabbing nobody. You could use them to ruin a petition, though. True. I suppose it's time to bring this in for a landing. Anything we want to touch on in the last minute here before I wrap us up? This series hurts. I love it so much. God. Yeah. I really... now, this is your episodely reminder to go out and buy the Blu-ray before it's out of print, which I don't know when that'll be. I gotta yeah. do that. I gotta go and write stuff. Do the thing. Do the thing. They're good Blu-rays. They're nice. They really are. Although I will like to mention, if we have it just as a periodic reminder, that if you get one of the older things where they still have the uh, mis- mistakes, make sure before it goes out of print that you check if your if any of the discs have cracked because there was that problem with some of them yeah disc two specifically was coming cracked to some people so you know check for that i should check for that you should check for that i leave mine not fully closed because i am afraid of disc two cracking error (laughs) it's a concern checking live on air my disc is fine all right. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this one. Next time we will be finishing the series and I hope I will be crying tears. I love to cry tears at anime. Still not crying. Uh, I, I believe in you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I will left. finally get to hear Be Strong. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, yeah, I guess oh, that is the yes. final. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. Can't wait to finally have context for the meme. Thank you so much for joining us, AnnaFam. If you liked what you heard, uh, you can find more stuff from us in your ears and on the page by going to animefeminist.com. If you really liked what you heard, consider dropping us a dollar a month on Patreon. Um, every dollar really does help us continue to pay our editors and contributors a fair amount. And if you join up at five bucks a month, you get access to our discord and monthly ex- uh, bonus podcast episodes. We also have a store at animefeminist.com slash store where you can get cute stickers and sweatshirts and mugs and all that kind of fun stuff. You can find us on social media. We are on Tumblr at anime feminist and we are on Twitter at anime feminist. Thanks so much for joining us, Anna Pam, and uh, until next time, be strong. Bring your box cutter. <laughs> <laughs>